Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, and welcome to episode number 110 of the Master and Pursuit podcast. This is the podcast that brings you a number of things. It brings you workouts where I record myself doing a session that you can then download and plug in and run along as if I'm there with you, if that's your thing. It's the podcast that brings you recovery rambles where I run nice and easy around the beautiful but cold and frosty today at least, Epping Forest, and talk about something that's on my mind. And it's the podcast that brings you conversations with the elites as part of our scheme to invest in underfunded British elite marathon runners. And that's what we've got today on Friday, December the 9th. It is cold as we jog around the forest. Just recording this little preamble the preamble to a Zoom conversation with Tish Jones, which is the final part of our four-part mini-series into how hard it is being a marathoner. And Tish has had a particularly rough few years since her since her qualification for the 2019 World Championship Marathon in Doha. So long ago, in fact, that the qualifying time was 2.31 as compared to the 2.28 required to qualify for next year's World Championships in Budapest. So she's had it particularly rough, but is on the road to recovery now and has a a new fresh mindset to go with it, which you'll hear about shortly. And of course there are lessons from the other three parts of the four-part series that you'll, you'll hear a little bit about in this recording as well. So with Natasha, we had a bit of denial, we had a bit of trying to explain underperformance or explain unexpected underperformance, a bit of acceptance and a bit of the need for patience in recovery. With Josh we heard about exercise being a habit, the role of cross-training and indeed the surprising benefit of the pandemic in helping him recover from his his bone injury and from Charlotte we talked about the role of being positive and resilience and as I said there's a a bit of all of that in the conversation with Tish but I bet none of them have ever had to deal with what I've had to deal with this week as I've recovered from the Valencia Marathon so just to just to wind back a little bit some of you will know that I raced the Valencia Marathon last weekend and in fact I saw some of you there Disco Stew and Leon in particular and some of you will know that I had a reasonably good race the the marathon itself the first time I've done Valencia it's dead flat it's super fast you might have seen some of the reports of some of the speeds at which others were running at the front end in particular it's a mental start to the race it's more like a cross country race at the beginning than a marathon 
the pen at the front, just behind the elites. Super competitive, off like a train. Lots of runners going very fast, but very close to each other, weaving in between bollards and traffic and pedestrians, not traffic, but parked cars rather, and pedestrians standing in between the parked cars. Oh, it's mayhem. Like I say, it's more like a cross-country start than a marathon start. But it settled into the race. It's flat, it's fast, it's good. Some of the organisation could be a little bit better. But having done it now, I'll know what to look out for in the future, should I do it again. But generally speaking, a brilliant experience, as all marathons tend to be. Didn't quite get what I wanted for myself, but I'm still pleased to be holding it together at a ripe old age. And it's that age thing that I think might have contributed to the thing I spoke of before about my recovery this week. So obviously I'm a bit tired on Monday. Stroke a lot tired on Monday. And then Monday evening my foot starts to feel a little bit sore. Oh god, that's... That's quite sore, it's also, it's also a bit painful to touch. That's not a good sign. See what happens. Hopefully it's not, not anything significant. But you do worry slightly that you've caused yourself a bit of damage. So I went to bed Monday night, feeling pretty tired. Middle of the night, waking up in, in agony. Excruciating pain in my foot. I'm thinking, oh God, what's this? Couldn't put up with it at all, couldn't sleep, had to get up. And then it finally dawned on me. It was gout. I've got gout. I'd had gout once before, about 20 years ago. I had to miss a game of football because my foot hurt so much. And I was a bit relieved, to be honest. I mean, the one thing you don't know about gout is how quickly it will pass. But I was relieved it wasn't anything more sinister than that. And... If you don't know about gout, and you, like most people, you assume it's a, an unhealthy old man injury, and how can a marathon runner suffer from it? Well, here's the thing. So gout is, is when your body doesn't process uric acid properly. It's the kidney's job, but sometimes it doesn't work. And when it doesn't work, the body doesn't know what to do with the uric acid, so it turns it into crystals and gravity shoves it in your feet and it's extremely painful and extremely silly. It's up there with cramp on the silliness scale. You know, in cramp, no matter how much it hurts, is a source of great humour for everybody else. And the belief is that it's brought on by a number of things, not quite just the rich diet of cheese eating and port swilling fat men that's the King Henry VIII thing someone said to me the other day it can become a thing from dehydration and from certain types of sugars fructose being one fructose being prevalent in some of the energy gels I was taking in the race and I quenched my thirst after the race with Coca-Cola and sugary Spanish beer and then lo and behold, I get gout. 
anyway it's all gone now all good cleared up I ate a tube of Pringles that seemed to do the trick and in doing so learned that Pringles doesn't have a best before date in the US because it's not technically food because it doesn't have enough actual food ingredients in it how mad is that anyway we're off at a tangent let's get back to the Valencia Marathon because some other good stuff happened at the Valencia Marathon I managed to hold my myself together to finish the race in just a shade over 2 hours 32 so happy with that but the day before the race I'm out with Natasha who we've spoken to in in this four part mini series had a little jog, a few strides a bit of a chat talking about race plans what she's looking to do and nowhere in those race plans did the idea of passing halfway in just over 73 minutes into the thinking and certainly there was no discussion of negative splitting but that's what she did I think it was 73.20 something like that maybe a little bit less than 73.10 and then 73 not very much for the second half to finish in 2.26 what a run what a run I was really pleased for her that is a world championship qualifier good work followed not too far behind by Georgia Schweening an English runner who also ran 2.26 so good work to them both and it's great for Natasha because as we heard in the first episode of the four part miniseries she's had a bit of a rough time since the Commonwealth Games in the summer so to come out and produce that it really does show what a great athlete she is but also some of the things she spoke about the importance of those things so that's great and gives us all hope of course that when things are at the roughest ebb all is not lost but of course marathons are hard aren't they the races themselves are hard there are there are disappointments I think with the marathon I think I've done 21 now I reckon I've had four or five of those where I've nailed it felt great got everything right stars aligned all that sort of stuff the rest invariably involve a bit of a grind and that's just the races themselves you then got all the bits in between there, those training blocks and they don't always go to plan either and there's problems within them and then there's the injuries that we hear about from the elites but there is always good times at the end there's always something more and it's part of the beauty of the marathon it always sucks us in to think there is more because invariably there is and good times are going to come for Tish too so we're going to return to her now and talk to her about where she's at after a bit of a Torrid three years or so. So the theme of these podcasts across the last three episodes of our little mini series has been about how hard it is being a marathoner. And Tish has probably experienced that more than anybody. So for those who are not aware of Tish's background, she qualified and was selected for the 2019 World Championship Marathon for Great Britain, in which was in Doha. 
you went, you roomed with Charlotte, who was on the previous episode of the podcast, but you didn't race. And that's because you had an injury. And then ever since then, it's been injury after injury through the pandemic and all that sort of stuff. Do you want to just share your story a little bit and very, very quickly where, where you've been since 2019? Yeah, um, so the 2019 Worlds, unfortunately, I mean, it was very, very unfortunate that I had the injury, but it, it did come off the back of my biggest kind of training block, my biggest and most consistent training block that I'd ever had. Um, and I'd, I'd never really had like a 10, it was only 10 weeks, but a 10 week block. And I ran in Boulder, I trained there and it was amazing. I raced really well and everything did go well, but you don't really recognize how close to that knife edge you are when you are constantly in, increasing that mileage each week. And it kind of got to the, I think it probably got to the point that there was something that broke the camel's back there. And the injury I sustained was an avulsion fracture of the iliac crest, which is a completely like random injury for an endurance athlete to have. It is more associated with invasion sports, big, powerful movement, single, like one rep max type movement. Um, so it, it would have been a combination of kind of repetitive exercise, things tightening up over time, and then one thing just kind of doing the job. But I didn't, it, no one was aware of what it was. So I was struggling in a lot of pain, but trying to make sure I could race. So I went through the training, the holding camp in a lot of pain. And Charlie will remember this because it wasn't fun for us both. He was like sat in the room with me and I was in pain a lot of the time. But yeah, it, it was like the highlight of my career, the biggest thing I'd ever got to do. And it was devastating. So I think it has quite, it has more than a physical impact on your body when you are so distraught about not being able to perform when that's all you've worked for. And, and that distress will not help the healing process. And I think it did kind of take me a long time to just get over the fact that that happened to me because I was so, I, I just was so in love with the fact that I'd done it. I'd got to worlds. It was just a dream and I couldn't believe it. I, I remember being in disbelief. I had to pull out on the night before the race, or two nights before the race. I just couldn't. I could believe it because it was me. <laughs> Not like this is typical, but it was just so hard to to deal with. I, yeah, it was like you were like mourning something. Yeah. It sounds it sounds hot, like silly, but it meant that much anyway. So it just. I think it just kind of took its toll on my body. That evolution fracture wasn't actually diagnosed properly until half a year later. And I was trying to run. And every time I'd get to a certain point in my running, it would hurt a lot and everything around it would just seize up. And it was a very painful period of my life. And I also managed to break my arm mountain biking in the same, like within two months of coming back from Worlds. So yeah, it wasn't a good period of time. No, and this was before the pandemic. Yes, and it was. Yeah. And um yeah, and I think since then I have had multiple kind of stress related injuries. Um and that's because my bone density is lower than it should be. So I have put in place things to help with that. Um but other injuries like overcompensation things like tfl tears and stuff like that that's what happened in the build-up to the olympic trial 
Uh, and it, it's purely because you want something so badly you're willing to push yourself through a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort, thinking mm, it's kind of very naive, but thinking that you can, as long as you get to the start line, you'll be able to do something. But it just doesn't work that way. And you're always on the back foot then. And you you just need a clean slate. And to get a clean slate, you need time off. You need to let your body heal and recover. And it's taken a long time for me to find other things that I'm passionate about that allow my body to heal and recover. And I don't feel like I'm struggling with things mentally and psychologically. So it's that, that, has, take, that has taken me a long time, but I'm glad that I found other things in life to to be happy about and to really enjoy yeah. life and and you forget that there is other there are other things but when when you're in that zone people can tell you that and there isn't anything else there is no other thing this is yeah. what I must do yeah and I suppose because the disappointment was so high that there was yeah. an element of you that wanted to get back because you wanted to re- repair that disappointment rather than deal with it and move on so it's like I must get back I must get back and I remember the conversation yeah. we were having for the Olympic trials was like, I'm desperate to run. I'm desperate to give the Olympic trials a go. I might not qualify. I might not even finish the race, but I'm desperate to to at least try. But I think now you're in a completely different headspace where you're in a where you're much more ready to be patient with the rebuild. And this is three years later, and now you're rebuilding. Yeah, and it's rebuilding through various different injuries, but it's all they're all sustained in the same manner, like this constant need and want to um show show that I can achieve what I know there's something that I know that I can do and it's it's like you said it's desperation you 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 just and it's also age I feel like it's partly for me it's like I don't have that much time and and I I really that is the goal I want to achieve and not everyone can do that you can't not everyone can be an Olympian so to me that is the ultimate the ultimate challenge the ultimate goal ultimate achievement but yeah I've, I've I feel it's embarrassing getting to a point in that for me I feel like it's embarrassing because I haven't been able to be consistent as an athlete and I know that that is visible and I don't want to be that person I want to be the robust strong consistent person that is what I aspire to be and in everything else I am in everything else I'm running it's like mm-mm. But that's but because I do it and I overdo it. Yeah. And running is tough because it, you don't, it's not like on a bike where you've got the wheels to take a bit of the pressure off you. It's not the water when you're swimming where the water will help you with buoyancy and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's tough for runners, especially marathon runners, because you've got to put the miles in. You know, obviously cross training is, is useful as well, but you've still got to put miles in on the road. And it's an yeah. unforgiving surface. And the event is massively unforgiving. You know, you, you're in a place where, everybody's judging you based on the time that you run they're not thinking about whether or not you've had injury or whether you've got an injury at that moment in time they're judging you based on where you finish in the race at the elite level at least where you finish in the race and what time you run and I think that puts pressure on you and I think you know you put pressure on yourself throughout that period to get back but it is different now you're not putting that pressure on yourself in the same way are you no and I, I don't I don't fully understand how I've managed to change my attitude a bit. I think you just get to a point where, and you have you get these consistent. For me, it's bone stress stuff, and you 
like it's almost like you can get by doing what you do and just thinking that it won't happen again. You've had one bone stress, it's fine. It won't, you know, that won't happen again. And so you get over that and then you get back into training and you forget that you do have to consider changing other things, um, like many other things, like your, your accumulative load, your eating strategies, how much, how much intake and outtake there is, um, output there is, um, how much rest you're having, like full rest days you're having, how much like mental stress there is as well. And you, you don't deal with all of those things until you kind of you've had a few. It's, it sounds weird, but like you've had a few and you're just like, I need to learn how to deal with this holistically. And, and it, I feel like I just haven't been in the right environment for me. And I found it finally, but I haven't been in the right environment to take into consideration every single one of those factors and actually be willing to do something about it. Because you can do the one thing that you feel like comfortable doing, right? Okay, I can decrease my training load. I'll add some cross training in to make some even it out, so you feel comfortable doing that. But the others, you you kind of like, yeah, I'm fine with those. Everything's okay in that area. But it's not. You have to look at everything. And if you if you miss out one thing, you like five six weeks down the line, something else will happen. And that's kind of how it's happened with me. I think that. I've managed to find things that occupy my time and my headspace. And I don't think I'm missing out on this and I'm, I'm not doing this and, and eating more as well. And just feeling like I don't, I don't, there's no restrictions. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. I need to do it my own way. That is the key thing here. But when I think also with social media, you, you're constantly looking at other people that seem to be achieving things. And some people aren't. And you might not see them or hear from hear about them for ages. You don't consider that. You only consider the things that you see. And the things you see are always going to be like who's yeah. achieved what in a marathon? Yeah. What have they yeah. done in a race? Well, and it's all yeah. good stuff. You're just like it's all positive. The, the pressure is on. <laughs> like yeah. I want to do that. I I need to be there. So what are they doing? You know? Yeah. It's really it's really dangerous that world. I, I think one of the things that's really interesting for me about the difference between elite marathoners and normal marathoners if for the want of a better word the rest of us i suppose is probably a better way of putting it is um is that is that pressure to perform because if i run and i run slightly worse than i wanted to now i care but i'll probably post rationalize it quite quickly nobody else cares really nobody else cares but in your case you are of course you can but um in your case selectors care sponsors care and Mm. obviously you care and from that perspective social media is becomes a, a a, a battleground of positivity and so obviously all, all you're seeing from other people your peers is oh things are going right great i'm cracking training i've done a great i did a great race because that's obviously what they want to project for good reasons which is about you know having strong reputation and obviously performing well but when it's not going so well that's really hard but i think what you've done well is what you touched on before which is to because there's a lot about the psychology as well as well as it is about the physiology and it's about making sure that you're not putting too much pressure on yourself to go hard at your training. And you're doing that by finding other outlets. So what are the other outlets? What are the things that you're doing to keep yourself away from thinking about running so much? It's not like I don't, I do, I think about running all the time, but I think about it in a positive way. I don't, I now don't, I don't have like this, oh my God, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do this. I, I'm just happy that I'm able to do a little bit here 
a little bit there and I'm happy that I'm progressing. Mm. I don't overthink that. And I try not to think outside of that. Like what, what are all the other athletes doing? I see, I see people running all the time and like everyone runs it's, and I want to, but I feel way happier and more supportive to people. And it's something I couldn't do before is watch races, be part of races. If I wasn't running and I was injured, which is, that's a big change for me as well. I always found that hard because I had this constant need to be running. I couldn't, mm. I couldn't be just watching, but now I do. It's like, I want to be there and, and in the massage as well. And that's one thing I'm doing now that I, I really get something out of helping people and it doesn't matter what the goal is, but often it is running. It might be cycling. It might be currently MMA, which is good. Hmm. And, and also trail running. Some of the, the Adidas Terex team are here and I get to massage them, which is great. And I, I know they're running every day, but it's not like I'm jealous. It's, I'm so, I want them to run well. I want them to go off and do really well. So I'm a hundred percent just need to make sure your, your legs are good. Needs to make sure your glutes are firing. And I love this. It, Brilliant. It's very different from how I used to be, I think. And that's, I'm not really sure how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that is quite a big shift. So you go from this place where it's all about yourself and I'm not going to call yourself obsessed, but it's all about yourself and your own performance and your running as an individual athlete in an individual sport yeah 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 you have to be you have to have that selfish mannerism but but it's you don't it doesn't follow through in every aspect of your life it's just sometimes you're you're, you know you need to just prioritize and it's just prioritizing correctly in order to achieve the ultimate goal yeah so people understand that your nearest and dearest understand that but you don't neglect them and you don't push them to one side they kind of there's an understanding (laughs) But, I think, but therefore, there must have always been a sense in you that helping and supporting others is important to you. Yeah, and I, and I really think the massage is helping with that. And just in general, just supporting supporting people doing their stuff. And it does give me a distraction, but it's not, it's not like I have to have a complete distraction. Otherwise, all I'm thinking about is running. I, I'm drumming, which is great. I absolutely love that. So that yeah. takes up time. But I meet new people. And I've met some amazing people that, and all I want to do is go and support their bands and stuff. And it's, mm. you know. And develop a new skill. So you're learning and developing as well. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to keep the brain. Keep the brain working. And what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, cycling, obviously, I do ride. And then the odd cycling race gives me that kind of stimulus, that race environment that I really enjoy. But it is more fun. It's not. I know that I'm not strong enough to like be on the podium of some massive race, but participation and right, riding with other people that are around my ability is brilliant. Um, there's a sense of camaraderie there, and that's what you get from that's what I miss from like running a race, whatever. Yeah, just picking up various hobbies. Yeah, <laughs> that so, I wanted to so do for a long time. Climbing is the most recent one, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. So, so if we go through the list. So instead of just running. You now run, <laughs> cycle, massage, climb, drum. Uh, anything else? Have we missed anything else I in did. there? Well, there's other, there's lots of other things. Like I like hiking, and I, if I could run on the trail without falling over, I'd probably do that more. Um, but I've always had other stuff. Like I think I've always loved to do other things, like travel, for example, and like do adventurous sports that are risky, but 
they're kind of you know, the risks are closed off slightly in the environment you're in. But I think once you're you're running at a certain level and all you're looking at is getting to that certain point, whether it's world champs, Olympics, your focus is shifted off of all of those things. And if you're not careful, you'll go down the wrong pathway, which is what I've done many times. But that is my kind of obsessive personality, my need and want to achieve something. And I feel like the only way I'm going to do that is by putting absolutely everything into this one thing. And that might work for some people. But it would be very few people, and it definitely hasn't worked for me. And I've learned the hard way over years, but now I, now I understand that there does need to be this kind of life that happens. Yeah, a and bit of talent. You enjoy it, actually. Ha- have a happy, quality life. And you can still run. You can still run competitively. Um, and I see that in, in a lot of athletes that I aspire to. is They've got kids, they've got families, and they manage to have this happiness outside and when they're injured obviously it's sad but they've got something else and I've always I think beforehand I always kind of wondered how I would ever be able to do that and now I know and now you know yeah so the interesting thing now is as you build back up because your ambition for running still is high so as you build back up it's how when you get into that zone where you're starting to run more and you're getting serious about it you're getting closer to events it's how you manage all the other things that you do as well, because we all have to make sacrifices when we're getting around to the fine tuning around a marathon. Maybe it's about timing. So maybe it is right for two months, I'm going to focus on this and I'm going to let the other things, I'll do them less or whatever. And then at the end of the two months, I'm going to get back into it, take a month off running. I'm going to do more hiking, climbing, walking, swimming, running, uh, not some running, um, uh, drumming, um and giving yourself kind of discrete periods where you can focus on certain things and I don't know if that's something you've thought about yeah I think you kind of you would have to implement some sort of strategy like that because you can't do everything all the time but it's not like I'm a professional cyclist drummer I'd like to be Hmm. um I'll hopefully I'll get there um I'm sure you will climbing I've, I've only done that recently it's just it's a fun thing to do it's it's physically hard if you do it well like if you're a good client and I'm sure that I will get better if I keep practicing but and I'm happy to use a rest day to do something like that and and having a complete rest day is very important as well but the opportunity to climb and to do hikes and things don't come up as frequently as just going out of the door and going for a run unless you because you need to kind of be with other people perhaps to do these things and it is more of a group thing and running is is also but you as a as a professional athlete and that is where my headspace wants to be at that's what I want to achieve in running I need to prioritize that at some stage but what I've neglected to do in the past is continue to be happy doing other things yeah I've then not I've just wanted to do everything I can everything that I, I feel that I have to do to be a good runner. But you just, you don't consider that all those other things are actually really important to be a good runner as well. Yeah, yeah. So the Things the, that you the, enjoy doing. It doesn't, doesn't have to be any of those things. It could be anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To take the pressure off yourself as a runner makes you a better runner. Yeah, but just even if, it, if your thing is being sociable with other people that aren't runners, that is a good thing. Because it's it's a completely different headspace for you to be in. It's a healthy balance. Um, so you don't have to, I'm not promoting, oh, you must go out and get six hobbies. Otherwise, you're never going to be a good runner. That's ridiculous. 
But if there's something that you enjoy doing, make sure you keep doing it. Even if your running increases, just have that thing that mm. isn't running, you know? Yeah. And and if, if there really isn't anything, I mean, I was probably quite adamant that there really isn't anything else. And I'm sure that there are people, if they're watching, they're just like, but there isn't. There is. It's just, you might not have found it yet. Yeah. And I didn't, it's, God, it's taken ages for me to find anything that could distract me enough. And the thing is, it can't just be a distraction. You have to have some natural passion. It's got to light a fire in you. You've got to really love it. And the drumming, to me, I love music. And I forgot. It's, I don't even know how. I forgot how much it meant to me. And I, I was in disbelief for ages. I was just like, how have you forgotten all these bands that you used to love? And you, like, it was a big part of my life. Like, I've worked in, I loved working in record stores. And that's mainly because I was surrounded by people who also love music. And learning to play an instrument was always something I wanted to do. And then I just kind of forgot about that as well. And I'm like, what, what were you doing? But I was just so focused on just running and just, just trying to be a runner. It's kind of sad. Well, yeah, it's really interesting because a lot of what we've been talking about across all of these episodes is about the sense that our self-worth is not necessarily tied to the outcome. And with marathon running in particular, it can be it can all be about the time because everybody wants to know your time. I said that before. And it's it's easy to define it. And even in the elite end of the sport, we talk about, you know, the 205 guys, the 210 guys, the 215 ladies, the 220 women, you know, it's like that. You kind of box people off as certain types of athletes and that sort of defines them. But everybody's worth way more than just the time they run a marathon, whether it is the process that you go through, the learning that you undertake, the development you have as an individual, or all the other things that are part of your life that have got nothing to do with running that nobody within the running world has got any clue about. Yeah. And those are the things that are important. That's who you are, not you're not just a runner and a professional athlete yeah. and a 231 marathoner. That's not who you are. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I would be lying if I said it can, like it bothers me that people think that I'm done. As in, yeah. I have yeah. lost interest. And I feel like it's a very closed-minded way of thinking. And, you know, it's, it's well-grounded. I mean, I'm doing a lot of other things. You don't really see me posting much about running, but that's because there are other things I am 100% passionate about. If I'm running and there's something to put on my social media profiles about running, I'll put it on there. But it's not flooded with it. So people don't, it's like they forget about you. Yeah. So unless you're out there, and that's the other problem. Like, And it's, it's a limitation because you want to do this stuff. And I, I will regardless. I don't care. I, this is stuff I love doing. But if I wanted to qualify for a race, I would need some... I would need to really start from scratch because no, no governing body would give me the time of day because I haven't performed in X amount of years. So mm. it's it's going to be hard for me. I know it is, but I've done it before. I've worked from the ground up to get to where I've got to in the past. It's just, you've got to be faster now. <laughs> you have got to be faster. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there are shoes that can help that versus 2019. Apparently so, so yeah. So you should yeah. be right. 
But, um, That's another problem. <laughs> yeah. But the, the other thing that comes in all that is that you are now more experienced. You know yourself better. You know what makes makes you tick more. So that's more about this other stuff that you now do that make you more rounded as a person, which takes the pressure off your performance because you know that if you don't have those things, you become so obsessed with performance that you'll end up injuring yourself again and getting nowhere. So all of that makes you puts you in a much better position, I think, going forward to get back to where you want to be. Yeah. I feel like I'm not willing to compromise and but lots of other stuff like has has helped all all the things that I'm implementing have somehow come together and worked um to improve other areas as well, like hormonal balance and stuff like that, which is a big thing for me. Hmm. Um and that's taken many years, but it's actually made a huge difference. And that's something that I'm really proud of because I I've worked hard at it and it's taken a long time. Yeah. I think you should be proud of all of it, to be honest, because to go from where you were physically and mentally to uh, well, physically and psychologically more to, to where you are now, I think is really impressive, irrespective of the fact you're still at a very early stage of your return to running journey. We can be confident, I think, that you're in a much better place to be able to, to get to the next level, to where you want to be. Yeah, and I, I'm in I'm in a good place to deal with shit, which hmm. is inevitable. Yeah, but if you you can't, I've I've approached it in very different ways before, and negativity has had to find a place. So I've just learned to it's shit, but that's what it is, and you must deal with it. However, you can deal with it and just be as positive as possible. Sounds like I'm really lecturing, but I genuinely, uh, this is the only way I've managed to deal with things positively. And it's the only way that's worked best. Yeah, I think that's right. I think dark times happen and I think they will always happen. But it's about reframing those as quickly as you can to being positive. Because, as you say, you can't afford to be feeling negative for too long, partly because of reputation, partly because of performance, but also because of what impact it has upon your recovery. So being positive yeah. helps you get there quicker. And you're doing that brilliantly. So well done. Thanks. And, th- and thank you for sharing your, your little story. And I'm looking forward to speaking to you more as we <laughs> as you continue to get back. Yeah, thank you. So that's the end of our four-part mini-series. And with Tish there, we can really see how she's changed the way she thinks the way she acts the way she lives her life and how it's completely different now from before as a result of those experiences across the course of the last three years or so she keeps active in fresh and varied ways that complement her running which actually are very positive for her running because they add a bit of variety to her life not of all of her self-worth is defined by her running performances and that's a really valuable lesson that I think she's learned in the past few years particularly the past 18 months or so and in all four cases and all four athletes there are lessons that have been learned people have developed along the way but they are still focused as we see with Natasha still determined to improve to compete and to develop as an athlete as well as as a human so they're focused and they're very much on track 
using a whole bunch of techniques that we've heard about to do so. Whether that's creating new training habits, using distractions, applying the power of positivity, reframing. All of those things are important things that keep them on track. And the reality is that keeping on track in tough times is hard. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we support them. Because in the tough times, they risk losing funding. They risk not being attractive to sponsors. They obviously don't get race entry fees or completion fees. So our investment has probably had had its biggest impact through some of the the difficult times. Of course, we can't do this forever. We can't promise it forever. But it's also why consistency is important in it, I think. It helps provide some reassurance in those troubled times. And we've been doing it for over five years now. A key part of what we do with the Milestone Pursuit. A key part of what it's about. What the Milestone Pursuit is about and in trying to help improve the standards of British marathon running at all levels from elites down and including myself still trying to get better so hopefully you've enjoyed this four part mini series and it's not been too doom and gloom that certainly hasn't been the intention but I do think it's important to recognise how difficult it is and can be being a marathoner, especially when you make it your job. So a good healthy dose of reality I think is always good. But there is so much positive in each of the four podcasts. So many ways and things that we can think about and learn from the elites that we can apply in our own lives because it is all about ability to cope with change, with adversity, and adapt as we go. And without taking things too seriously, it's about growing as people. How about that? Right, the sun is setting on this day, it's getting colder. So I'm gonna head off into the sunset, leave you to continue with whatever it is you're doing. Hopefully you've enjoyed today's episode. And if not, I hope it's helped you get some sleep. And I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 